0: Welcome to the 2021 version of the golf week Raider podcast. I'm Jay Blasey, one of the, uh, advisory panel members alongside uh, my colleague, Tom Dunn. Uh, this is our first podcast for 2021 and hopefully everybody had a chance to listen to our year in review session from 2020 where Tom, David Normoil and myself recap some of the great events from last year. And, uh, as we mentioned on that pod, that was that was David's last pod, and we had a nice send-off for him. Uh, welcome, Tom. How are you doing?
1: Doing well, Jay. It's uh, freezing cold and snowy here in New York, but uh, spring is right around the corner, right?
0: We're getting rain here in California for the first time in a couple hundred days, so the superintendents are out dancing and high-fiving, but uh, yeah, ho- hopefully uh, this year is... Uh, is the backside of uh, 2020, and we come out of this thing a little better and exciting. But uh, our, our main goal for for the first part of the season is with David Normoyle's departure, uh, we have some exciting news that we're going to have two new panelists this year, uh, Jim Hansen and Sarah Mess. And so uh, with that, I'd love to uh, welcome both of you and, and uh, say hello.
2: Hello. Uh, Hello everybody. It's, it's great to uh, to join this group, uh, such an elite group that it is. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward especially to getting to know Sarah better because coincidentally, we both grew up in the same hometown, although generation, <laughs> at least one generation apart, we both grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then moved on to other places. So uh, very anxious to get to know everybody on the board. And I've been on a raider since 1997. Uh, so I've, I've been around this uh, group, uh, the Raider group for, for quite a while. And hopefully the experience will help me in some ways and not hurt me too much.
3: Nearly yeah. as much experience with the Raider group as Jim Hansen. So I'm looking forward to kind of meet, meeting everybody. And, uh, yeah, 1997, I was definitely just starting out in high school golf.
0: <laughs> well, Jim, you touched upon, uh, your history with the golf week Raider program, why don't you just go ahead and share a little bit about your background? Obviously you bring uh, uh, a unique perspective uh, to the panel uh, with uh, uh, some of the uh, books that you've authored, but uh, why don't you, why don't you give us your full golf background if you will?
2: Right. Well, I, I I was uh, I'm a retired history professor at Auburn university in Alabama. I taught Auburn at Auburn for 32 years and my specialty was in the history of science and technology. So I really had, uh, nothing, I didn't, my academic work really didn't deal with golf until late in my career when after I cleared all the academic hurdles and promotions, then I felt I could do what I wanted to do. I didn't have to please my colleagues so much. So I had, in the early 90s, I started getting, uh, I mean, I grew up in golf. I mean, from the time I was nine years old, I was a member at a public course in Fort Wayne. I worked Uh, At that course through all my junior high and high school into my college years, I played high school golf with Billy Kratzert at Fort Wayne Elmhurst and played golf at at Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne. Uh, So I have a playing background. But then, you know, nothing in particular until the late 80s, early 90s, when I wanted to start writing about golf. I got interested in golf and in the environment issues and I read in Golf Digest. Maybe I shouldn't mention that name, but I read in Golf Digest that Golf Digest was co-sponsoring an environmental summit between golf industry and the environmental community. And I was interested, in, and so I wrote Roger Schiffman, who was at that time the editor of the uh, of Golf Digest, and I asked if I could, you know, sit in as a neutral third party. And at first they said, no, if this is going to be too tricky to deal with these two groups. So we, we can't have any outsiders in. But he changed his mind for some reason. And I got invited. And so I was able to sit in as a third party observer to the golf and environment movement. And the first meeting was at Pebble Beach. And then it moved on to Pinehurst and Orlando. And and actually, I, I bring I bring this up not just to talk about my background in golf, because I started actually became a member of the steering group for that environmental um, effort. Um, but I gave a talk at the Orlando meeting of golf and environment. And at that meeting, Bradley Klein, who was the first head of the rating panel for golf week, a legendary figure in golf week history. Uh, uh, he came up to me and asked me out to dinner and, uh, we talked, uh, went to a Cuban restaurant and he asked me if I wanted to be a raider. Well, that's hard to say no to. So uh, that's where my connection with Golf Week started. And then with Bradley, Bradley from, for several years edited an associated publications with Golf Week called Superintendent News. And it was a nice little, you know, magazine uh, that was published, I think, once, maybe just once a month. But it was for superintendents. And, for you know, so I had lots of issues related to agronomy and and but architecture as well. And I wrote, you know, as a freelancer for Bradley for until they realized they were paying me too much, but they were paid by the word and I I could get really wordy under those circumstances. So, and then eventually superintendent news went under, hopefully not because what they were paying me, but, um, uh, but I continued on as a reader and, and i made lots and lots of trips over the years. And then in, uh, after I, I've been wanting to do a biography of one of the leading architects for many years and, And I actually had the idea to write Robert Trent Jones, senior's biography um, while he was still living. He died in 2000 and and things didn't work out when he was still living, but after he died and after I was done with a couple other projects, uh, I I got some help uh, and made overtures to his two sons, Reese Jones and Robert Trent Jones Jr. Long story, I got their permission somehow and ended up writing this biography of Jones, and and really it's a story of the whole family. So that that was my that's my my major book as it relates to golf course architecture and golf course history. And I've continued now that I'm retired from Auburn. I'm in a position where I've wanted you know I, I was thinking I'd be able to play more golf, rate more courses, uh, but with COVID, I've been extremely. We've been basically in the house. <laughs> we don't go out too much at all. But I'm hoping now in 2021 with uh, things opening up, hopefully with the vaccinations and so forth, that we'll be able to have a very, and we do have a very ambitious golf week retreat schedule com- coming up for 2021. And I hope to be part of as many of those as possible. And I'll be doing some some blogs, uh, uh, some podcasts myself. In fact, I'll just say the first one is already being scheduled. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm looking, since I'm a book oriented person, uh, I, I've talked to Armin Simaroli, who you know, manages our Raider program for Golf Week, and uh, Armin likes the idea of me doing some interviews with authors that deal with golf course design. And And, and this first book is Jonathan Cummings' book, The Rating Game, which is all about uh, how ratings of golf courses get done not just by Golf Week, but by other magazines and websites. So I have a long interview scheduled with Jonathan, who's been a Raider he actually been a reader at least a year longer than me. Uh, he's played, I don't know, 4,000 golf courses or something like that in 37 countries. Um, so an amazing experienced man in terms of how the ratings are done and, and stays very active with that for us with golf week. I'll be talking to him uh, next week and we'll get that podcast up and then I'll be looking for some other author, authors to do podcasts with as well. So that's, my long-winded answer. I didn't get paid by the word. I don't think, but uh, that should familiarize yourself with uh, how I how I operate.
0: That's great stuff. Uh, the book, uh, a difficult par, if you haven't had a chance to to read it, it is definitely not only a great look at, at golf and golf design, but also the business and the family and everything. It, it really is a, a, a wonderful piece of work. It's not your first biography that you've written. Uh, you want to enlighten the, 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 the crew <laughs> well, about it, the biography it, that you've written.
2: It isn't. Uh, most of my work as an academic uh, historian has been in the field, as I said, history of science and technology with a special focus on, on aviation and space flight. And just prior to doing the Robert Trent Jones biography, I had published a biography of Neil Armstrong, First Man on the Moon, which was the very first. It was in a sense, an authorized biography, the only one that Neil agreed to participate in through interview time. And so that came out in 2005. Today's the 35th anniversary of the Challenger accident. And right after I did this book, the the armstrong book i did do a book on the challenger accident and i've actually been talking to i've done been done doing some interviews because today is that anniversary can't believe it's 35 years ago you don't remember that either sarah i'm sure Um, but after i got that done then i started then then things broke loose for me even though i had been looking into the jones biography earlier as i said it, it it didn't work out at first but after i got that done things opened up a bit and I was able to move on to the Jones, Jones work.
0: I'll, ne- I'll never forget watching the, the Challenger accident in, in real time. I don't know, Tom, where you were, if, if you were in, in school and, and yeah, watching it live.
1: Absolutely. And- you know, every classroom, I was in fifth grade and every classroom uh, had a television set up in the, in, you know, and all the kids watched. And actually my dad's best friend uh, from college Uh, was a law professor uh, uh, at Franklin Pierce Law Institute in uh, Concord, New Hampshire. And that was Krista McAuliffe's town. And so his kids who were my age uh, were, were in the, in the school in Concord that Krista McAuliffe taught in. Um, So yeah, it was a devastating, devastating day. I remember just, you know, being 10 years old, uh, you, you don't, you comprehend it, but it doesn't really register with you until later. Uh, you know, I certainly remember my teacher being extremely upset and, and coming home and walking home from school and seeing my mom. And, I mean, it was, I think for, you know, for our generation, it was, uh, you know, it was one of those, almost like for my parents' generation, the way the Kennedy assassination was. Exactly. You know, it's, I mean, I, yeah, I remember exactly where I was when the, when
2: the Challenger disaster happened. Yeah, that was the first time ever that we lost astronauts, American astronauts, in during a flight. I mean, we had lost Apollo astronauts. There was a f- bad fire on the Cape during a test, but they weren't just sitting on top of the rocket and doing a test at that point. So, But we had never lost astronauts. The Russians had, but the Americans had never lost an astronaut uh, uh, in, a, you know, in flight. And so, to, yeah, it was a stunning one of those. You'll never forget. I know exactly where I was moments. Exactly.
0: Well, you guys touched upon it earlier, but uh, Sarah, you're from the same hometown as Jim, uh, but you've you've migrated to the great city of Madison, Wisconsin, my hometown. Uh, tell us right little,
3: north as it currently <laughs> is.
0: <laughs> no doubt about it. Tell us a little bit about your background in golf, if you would.
3: Um, so like like Jeremiah grew up in uh, Fort Wayne and got started in um, public golf there, the, the parks department really has a great, um, junior program. And my dad, um, I'm the oldest of two. I've got a little sister and my dad wanted to teach us, um, lifetime sports, sports that so he could play, um, with us, uh, whatever. Um, the, the, the joke's kind of on him though now, cause he's got between his two daughters, they've got four big 10 championship rings. Um, so we kind of lured that over him. A little bit Um, but my sister's got bragging rights in that department she's got three i've only got the one so um but so the big time championship so i did go to michigan state and was a um walk-on on on member of the golf team there and um really enjoyed um my time and i was also um in the honors college at michigan state which allowed you to take to take any course you wanted to at the university without having to take the prerequisites beforehand So I was looking for a class to take my um, senior year and came across this course labeled golf course architecture, which sounded pretty cool because I liked golf. Um, And uh, the professor wasn't too sold on letting me in the class because I had no landscape architecture background at all. Uh, But luckily he played golf pretty regularly with coach. um, And she was like, no, no, it'll be fine. So he decided to let me in the class and that kind of got me started in golf course architecture and being interested in that. Um, I was lucky enough after that to get an internship uh, with Tom Doak that that following summer, um, which kind of really accelerated my (laughs) education in that uh, process. And then um, once I graduated, worked for him for a a couple of years up in Traverse City, uh, kind of helping look at new projects Spending a lot of time staring at maps, which is something I really enjoy, and helping run his office. Um, Then ended up going to grad school for a landscape architecture degree. Did my thesis on golf, but not graduating at a great time in the industry. (laughs) Um, So I've kind of bounced around a little bit. um, Ended up in Madison for a totally unrelated (laughs) job, um, but have. Then after I'd been here a couple of years, i actually became the head coach at one of the local high schools. So I'm we're getting ready to try and figure out what a boys golf season looks like um, since we were canceled last spring. So that's trying to juggle that. If you think greater scheduling is entertaining, trying to, trying to coordinate uh, 16 different high schools in a conference, getting a schedule, that's currently what I'm fighting there. Um, so, right now i teach um math to first and second graders and then i'm a head coach for a boys for the boys high school golf team um this past year i finished up um so even though i don't work full time for tom anymore um i do i kind of jokingly say he can't get rid of me <laughs> he's trying but um so i've worked for him on the olympic proposal that we did for the course in rio um doing some construction for the uh, out in Scotland, the three holds that were added to the Renaissance club. And then kind of the last three years on and off, I've been helping him, um, put together getting to 18, his, um, monster book that you <laughs> can do some weightlifting with it. And it gets, it comes in at eight pounds. Um, so finish that up this summer with him and I'm now working on a book about the making of Pacific dunes, um, with him there. And then this last fall, um, I don't think Jim mentioned it, but he teaches he taught a golf course architecture course at Auburn. Um I actually this fall taught a golf course architecture class at Ball State, uh, which yes, is in Indiana, but that is one of the few advantages of the pandemic is that you don't necessarily need to be in the same state as your students. Um, so really enjoyed that this fall. and yeah, so kind of I know I know a lot about a little a, a little about a lot of things enough to be dangerous in in many areas. What
1: i tell people sarah how do you go about building a kind of a 101 uh syllabus for uh you know i think that's actually a a germane question for uh you know for raiders too i mean what what does a 101 collegiate syllabus in golf course architecture look like
3: um so i will admit to cribbing quite a bit of my syllabus at least the uh from uh paul naratko who was my professor at michigan state and taught the class um it's it's a bit of, it's very interesting to teach because um i taught it when i was in grad school and then again now and both times about half my class doesn't have any golf experience at all um so you a lot of it's starting with you know the individual pieces what is it how do you make a green or what's a green for how do you do turning points you know even just talked about what the different types of par are and then um, my course definitely focused a little more on design, so we kind of built up. We started with a par three course and how do you find greens and how do you how do you get so things tied together so you know kind of that walk in the park. Um, category that the that the Raiders have, but kind of trying to figure out how that flow around a property works. Um, a lot of you know looking at a topo map and kind of figuring out how, drawing some quick sections and figuring out, you know, a lot of times in golf you have blind shots or you or people don't like blind shots and being able to figure out what that looks like on a map because I think it's it's difficult for people to look at something 2D and then go to 3D. Um, and then we go to designing an 18 hole course. So kind of, you know, each time getting a little more layer of, of difficulty and then our, our final project was, um, had to do a yardage book so had to again thinking about the strategy now of those holes they've designed so each time kind of one more one more uh, level on there
0: tom i think you're going to need to uh, if you haven't done it and and haven't shared it with us maybe you have and and we just don't know about it if you haven't (laughs) you're going to need to teach some kind of uh, collegiate course in golf i did uh, uh, a lecture that uh it's a video lecture that's that's used at, at wisconsin now so uh you're, you're going to be the odd man out if you're not teaching golf design at the collegiate level here
1: i'm slipping i've, I've got to get my my credentials up uh publisher parish i guess
0: i think i will brown, say i need something don't they
2: brown is- i will say that since uh, sarah mentioned it that what I taught was a course because I didn't feel qualified just to teach about golf course architecture. I, I taught a course, an honors seminar on the history of golf course architecture, and the way I built my, my my syllabus was to make it all around the literature of the field. So I started as far back as as I could in terms of who wrote, you know, who were who wrote about golf course architecture. These were usually, I mean, I it goes back even farther than this, but. CB McDonald and Mackenzie, you know uh, uh, Tillinghast. I, I found the writings that they did about golf course design, and then I took it chronologically forward. You know, through the golden age, through the 50s and 60s, up to the point where they were getting. They were, and of course, they most of these came from books. I mean, that's I, I couldn't assign the whole book, so I'd pick some section of a book. Pete Dye or you know, or, or Robert Trent Jones, or Fazio, or Doak. And so they, they, they would, it covered the entire stretch from, you know, the late, the late 19th century to the present, but they would be reading. And then I put together a reader that I public, had Kinko's published for me, that was probably about that thick. So I had students that signed up for the course saying, "History of golf course architecture. This will be fun. This will be simple." And then they realized they had like 200 pages of reading to do each week, you know, which, which they weren't. But it, it worked out well. And, and again, it was uh, it was a way of I, I tried to choose the the excerpts so they we weren't repeating the same issues. I mean, some architects might talk about trees. Some might talk about bunkering. Some might talk about green complexes. So I would try to get every element of golf course architecture covered, but again, to let them sort of see the flow and how the ideas would change, how they did in fact change quite a bit over time. So that's how mine worked. And and I also had a lot of really nice guest speakers. You know, I had Mike Herdson come. I had uh, Bill Bergen, Bradley Klein came down. So I, the, the guy that took care of the, Turf the, the turf uh, at the Auburn football stadium. Who was kind of a local legend, and he had done some golf course design in the area in the area around Auburn and Opelika. I had him come in, so it was a fun it was a fun class, and I could get away with it because I was director of the honors college, and I could put I could teach whatever I wanted to teach.
3: <laughs> so. I I did not have 200 pages a a week as a sign, but my, I think my students were also, we used um, Tom Doakes, Anatomy of a Golf Course, and then Forrest Richardson, Routing a Golf Course is the basis of ours. Um, And they, I think they were also surprised at the amount of reading, even though it was only about a quarter of the amount that you had to do. So there is some, you know, that is one of the great things about golf is all the great writing is out there talking about different, different topics and whether it's more from a design point of view or a playing point of view.
0: Sarah the the book that you've uh, worked on most recently getting to 18 and you talked about how it was published uh, in such a way that it's it's very very large. it's a huge coffee table book to, to help have big images and 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 show the, the routing plans uh, in such a way that they're legible uh, it's it's really an excellent book and a fun read and it, it goes through uh, kind of a course by course basis of, of some of those. Uh early courses that Tom worked on talk to us a little bit about what the process is like Um, you know Tom's listed you as a, a co-author a collaborator I'm not sure there's one perfect title for how you work together but talk about how you go about putting something like that together and um, what went smoothly and what were the where where were the sticking points or the challenges
3: um so i'll probably start with some of the the. so one of the things um you know like when i was in grad school i used to joke that i was too much of an engineer to be a, a designer um and then when i my undergraduate degrees are actually in math and chemistry and i didn't end up being an engineer because i was like too much of a designer. so like I, I can kind of go and translate between those two things um and so i really feel like that's kind of what i was trying to do with Tom's book is, you know, translate what he would say, which was sometimes very technical or which sometimes would assume steps that maybe that, that people in the industry would know, but that people that were players or interested in architecture might not understand as well. Um, so a, a lot of times I was trying to kind of make sure that all the steps were there so that there weren't any of those big jumps between things so people could really understand how the process. Um, worked. Um, And so some of the things that were kind of sticking points were trying to figure out exactly kind of what the, how each of the chapters was going to unfold because kind of some of the initial drafts um, ended up reading more like a, you were reading how the course played and not necessarily how it came to be. And um, I I think how it came to be is that what he was really trying to do i mean tom said that he was trying to do case studies and kind of explain things um so i kind of really tried to push him on some of those things um and then the other thing we really tried to do is um you know you talk about all these rules for golf course architecture and you know that i one of the things i told my class is that you know the rule there are rule it's it's like in pirates of the caribbean they're more like guidelines um not really rules um and so The interesting thing is when you have an actual site is figuring out which of those apply, which of them you need to break and which of them you can kind of ignore. Um, And so for each chapter, we tried to pull a different aspect of that routing and it kind of highlighted kind of the thing that really made the routing. Either work or that made it kind of have to have the form that it did. Um, So kind of that was. Figuring out how we were going to do that effectively is really took a lot of back and forth between Tom and myself and kind of getting that um, figured out. Um, And then just in terms of a sticking point, um, because the format is so large, we knew um, if you look every single map in that book, if you have a scale, you can take it out and measure. Um, And that was a very intentional choice, Um, but it also meant a lot of maps of very disparate size. and then a very large um you know just to do the physical layout of it so that was the other part i did is i actually laid out how things tied together um so i've got five or six or seven different attempts at layouts before i kind of stumbled upon one um that i like and i actually stole large chunks of it caddy magazine came out with a um Showed a lot of the sandbelt courses in Australia and kind of opening that layout, you know, doing that as a two page spread. I was like, Oh, I think I could figure out how to convert this to a single page spread so that when we did it for the whole book, um, and so kind of but figuring out how those pieces all fit together, making sure that things in the text that people might not have a really good understanding of, um, were illustrated so that people could see kind of have that words and pictures go together. Um, if you look. In the book, there are quite a few sections or um, kind of details of topo. So really, people could get that sense of you know that we worked so hard to make sure you see you that the writing contained all the steps and making sure then all those images went along with it, so people could really see what we were talking about.
0: Sounds like while Tom was routing the golf course, you were routing the book.
3: Uh, that's probably a pretty accurate description. It was it was a lot of. A lot of moving parts and trying to figure out where things worked and and how to fit them in It was it was definitely a puzzle.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's the, one of the cool things about Tom Doak's output as a writer is that uh, he really has, you know, in, in a collegiate, you know, in collegiate terms, you have one hundred one classes, two hundred one, three hundred one classes, and you know, anatomy, uh, which I think came out about twenty years ago really is the ultimate 101 golf architecture book, along with a few others. Um, Jeff Shackelford's Grounds for Golf, I think, is also a really terrific primer. Um, and then, you know, getting to 18 is like the 301, uh, you know, advanced grad student type of type of class where, you know, I've been looking at golf courses and studying golf courses for almost 20 years now and uh, I feel challenged by this book in a way that is it, um, uh, extremely stimulating to me. So I appreciate, you know, that your your work and 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 Tom's work in making this book happen, Sarah. So, you know, for the Raiders, I, I wonder if it's sold out yet. I know, um, you know, it's uh,
3: very close. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, talk about you know a, a collector's item. Um, it's a special product, and you know, I think golf week graders that you know haven't had a chance to take a look at it yet if you're really serious about you know understanding the inner workings of a great architect uh, i mean i can't i can't tout
0: it highly enough
3: love to hear that because we spent it was a lot of work trying to get it together but i'm i'm enormously proud of how it how it turned out
0: well with that let's talk a little bit about uh 2021 and the upcoming schedule uh obviously we all have our fingers crossed that the schedule will uh, unfold in a way that we're able to to make all these events happen and happen safely and, and that we can uh, we can all kind of get back to normal in some way, shape or form. But uh, what's everybody looking forward to this year? What are some of the places that uh, you might be visiting or, or helping to host and what are you looking forward to about those?
2: I was hoping for Tom to start actually, but you know, it's, it, it is it uh, is an ambitious schedule. I mean, it's uh, for someone who's looked at our schedules now for It'll be 25 years for me next year, 2022, that's 25 years as as a Raider. You know, the, the rating schedule, the schedule of retreats back then were, you know, you're lucky to have one month or one every two months. And, uh, and we didn't have international trips, you know, the international trips, which, I mean, we've had them now for a while and, and they are, you know, I, I, there's a lot of courses in the United States that I've not played that I, uh, still want to get to, but we've had some tremendous international trips, uh, you know, that, that if Raiders can take a, take advantage of them, and we've got a couple of them coming up this year, if things work out, including one to Japan in, in the fall. And one thing that I've, and this is kind of, I've been on this hobby horse for a while, and I think maybe the Northern Midwesterners in the group might, might, um, abide by this, but, um, we have an exciting retreat coming up. I think in late summer, mid to late summer, to uh, the Canadian Rockies to see Banff and Jasper Park, and maybe Casco Casca or I forget how that's pronounced. Is actually Cananaskis. Kan- uh, Cananaskis. So Robert Trent Jones Sr. of course was involved with that. Uh, was involved with that. But you know, one thing that I've come to realize over the course of my golfing adulthood is. Golf in Canada is fantastic. I mean, the number of great golf courses in Canada, just, just in Tor- in the Toronto area, just in lower Ontario. I mean, if you're not familiar with Stanley Thompson, who's, I guess, considered to be the greatest ever of the golf course architects from Canada, everything from, you know, from Nova Scotia to, you know, to uh, British, British Columbia, um, don't miss Canada. I mean, I always encourage my golfing friends, yeah, you got to go to the British Isles. You've got to play Ireland. You've got to play Scotland. you got to play England. But my goodness, we, we can't miss out on Canada. There's such great golf courses and we don't have to cross all the way across the ocean to go there. And so we've got at least the one trip. Uh, I don't know. Do we have, do we have a, a, a Nova Scotia a Cabot's Cliff for this coming year? We might not, but we'll probably be back there before long uh such a great great location uh on the coast of nova scotia yeah but, we,
1: can, um, we did cabot and highlands
2: links in 2018. well hopefully we can, we can do it again maybe we can do it as early as 2022 but we do have that one up to banff and jasper this coming this and so i would really you know uh one way or another by hook or by crook i'm going to get myself you know, into that field, I think. Uh, so uh, golf in Canada, and I think, you know, other courses in our hemisphere, you know, a lot of I mean great golf courses in the Caribbean and in Mexico. And I think, you know, our schedule more and more includes those stops. Um, so uh, it's, I think it's an exciting, you know, and and I can't, and I think what gets maybe missed, especially by the new Raiders, the camaraderie that's created on these, retreats is just extraordinary i mean some of my very best friends today and that have been my very best friends over the past several years are people i've met on golf week retreats over the past two and a half decades uh it's such a great way to get to meet people and people you know and they love golf just as much as you yourself do and they've got life experiences i mean a lot of very very successful people i mean and not that they're all rich cats or anything. Some of them are, and some of them, some of them aren't. But they come from all kinds of all parts of the country and all walks of life, and and uh, it's just a great way to spend time. Uh, whether you bring your spouse, if you're married with you, they usually find good things for the spouses to do. It's not something that's just you know, it's golf or, or nothing. We we we. Golf week takes care of the, of the partners that come that are not golf oriented, but it's just a tremendous social gathering whenever you go
0: on one of these retreats. Tom, what are you excited for on the schedule this year?
1: Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit funny, but um, the trip I'm really excited about is, uh, is, is going to Iowa in August. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know the total itinerary yet, um but we're we're slated to play uh Davenport Cedar Rapids Country Club and the Harvester uh i'm really curious a, a couple of these points i mean you know Cedar Rapids was devastated by the derecho last year uh, you know enormous uh storm it was actually the most the most costly thunderstorm in american history um that hit Iowa last summer august um so it'll be a year after the derecho and I know that uh, uh, Ron Pritchard uh, is going to be, uh, he's been there consulting architect for a while and uh, he's going to be um, helping the club re-restore the golf course in this coming season. Um, really excited to see, see Cedar Rapids. And then the Harvester is another one that I'm curious about. Uh, Keith Foster original design and a lot of people know, Know Keith for his uh, renovation and restoration work. And about uh, 15 years ago, he made a conscious decision to really focus on exclusively on renovation and restoration, um, and has had a lot of success in that department with uh, projects like Eastward Ho and on Cape Cod, Philadelphia Cricket Club. He, you know, sent into the stratosphere with his work there. Uh, so the Harvester is an original Keith Foster design, and I. I I played one one of his courses in San Antonio, uh, uh, San Antonio, uh, the quarry. Yeah, it would be near San Antonio, um, and it was pretty good. It was it was one of these um, kind of jump down into the quarry and wander around down there, and um, it, uh, certainly a good public option if you're in the city of San Antonio. But it didn't really have a lot of natural, you know, interest to to the property. I thought. Um, good solid choice, but the harvester uh, looks like it's got a really good piece of land and uh, really curious to see what, what has happened there since, since they converted to the private club model. So that's, yeah, that's one that I'm really looking forward to in in August. So hopefully, and it's, you know, Cedar Rapids is two hours from Chicago. So I'll probably uh, uh, spend a little bit of time with some Golf week friends in Chicago afterwards, and I just think Chicago is a great city. So that'll be that'll be a, that'll be a good one.
0: I uh, I might try and tag along on that one. That's one that, that's a spot that I haven't spent time, and I'm eager to see those golf courses as well. I think uh, I think Wakanda is going to be added to the list as well. Uh, Langford Moreau, so in Des Moines. Uh, that that'll be uh that'll be a neat trip, and so maybe I'll uh, chase you around down there. Sounds Sarah, cool. how about Sarah, how about you? What's uh, what's exciting on the schedule? For I was gonna you?
3: say Tom just I was thinking that I being in Wisconsin that I might end up on that Iowa trip. So I'm a little jealous of of Tom. Um I'm selling it.
1: everyone on it.
3: Um well I, I was sold uh Tom Dope went to see the uh, went to see Davenport four or five years ago and um I was writing him about something else and he said he'd walked around in like a February and he said it's as good as he thought it was as good as milwaukee country club and i've seen that and know how good that was so, I was, so that was a pretty <laughs> pretty good endorsement to go to go check it out um i'm not doing uh because my schedule is a little crazy being a, a a teacher and coaching i don't have as many trips but i'm looking forward i know right now there's um a trip scheduled uh for uh, kohler and black wolf run there's one for sand valley we've got the um got the Ryder cup here in Wisconsin so there's a lot of interesting fun golf things going around the state this year so i'm pretty excited about that i'll um i'll be at the kohler trip and i'm going to try and make it up sand valley the sand valley trip is after we start school but it starts on a sunday so i think i'll be able to sneak up there um for that day um so see some of that and they are um i think they're starting construction on the lido course up there so hoping that maybe i can sneak over and and see some of that construction process. So, looking forward to that and then um I'm as as mentioned, I'm new to this whole thing, so just kind of looking forward to meeting everybody and getting to to play some golf cuz I uh, haven't <laughs> I've, I've spent a lot of time on golf courses the past few years, but not actually golfing, so that'll be a nice uh, change of pace.
0: That is what that is one of the great uh benefits of of uh of the whole program is that uh you meet lots of great people but you get to do it while playing golf so that's always good you touched upon uh sand valley and the announcement that just came i think last week or earlier this week about the lido uh and so that obviously kind of jumped to the front of the line for exciting things in golf design in in 2021 um what uh what might be some other things around the uh around the country that or around the world that people are uh excited on the uh on the golf design front what are what are you paying attention to what are you eager to see when when you get to head back out there tom what are what are some of the things you're looking towards
1: uh the big one for me is is 7 mile beach in Tasmania uh mike clayton mike devries frank pont um i've i've heard that the land uh, it's uh, near Hobart, uh, is is Barnboogle class, which is, I, I haven't been to Tasmania, um, at, nor Australia. Uh, I've been to New Zealand and I know how good good golf properties in that part of the world can be. Um, yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I'm just very excited to uh, to see uh, Clayton DeVries pont take on Take on that project, and actually, uh, Matthew Ogden, the tour player, is in, involved in that that project as well. Um, and I think that, it, I mean, it, it took quite some time for uh, the permissions for the the piece of land to to come together for that. So I think it's going to be a, a cool story to follow, and hopefully, a great uh, n- new addition to the Antipodean golf scene when it's completed. That's that's the big one for me. There's there's actually a lot going on, and that's you know I, I could. I could talk more, but I'm sure that, uh, Sarah, Jim, you, Jay will have other, um, you know, other projects that are in the pipeline that, that Raiders should keep an eye out for.
2: I just want to double up on, I remember the first time I heard about someone going to Tasmania, to, you know, to play golf. And then actually it was Jonathan Cummings, who I'm going to interview. Jonathan had gone to Tasmania and played Barboa and And, and I just thought, my first thought was, Tasmania, where you know that has to be like the hardest place to get to in the world. And why would you go there? Well, I'm Golf Week had a trip a few years back that was Australia and Tasmania and King Island, and it was. I'm not sure I could call it a life changing event or life altering event, but it was something I will absolutely never forget. And everybody that was on that trip, you know, we went to, we flew into Sydney. You know, which you can fly nonstop from Dallas, Fort Worth, or Los Angeles into Sydney. If you can sleep 10 or 12 hours like I can at night, you can almost get all the way there sleeping. Uh, and then we played – then we went to Melbourne, and the courses in, in that Sand Hills region that, that Sarah was talking about with Kingston Heath and, and Royal Melbourne and South New, New South Wales – I mean, you could just stay there if you wanted to, but then we flew over to King Island and then we flew from King Island to Tasmania. We were there and we went there in small planes. I've got videos I could share that, you know, might, might tell some people, I'm not sure I want to try that. Uh, But yeah, I would, I mean, when I got back from that trip, I thought, ah, I'll never make that one again. And I might not. It's almost, it is a long way to go, but boy, it's special. I mean, and, and, and if you go to Tasmania, you can, in fact, as Tom was saying, you know, you, a lot of the people, a lot of the raiders I know that have gone to Australia can couple it with New Zealand. You can couple it with Tasmania. You can do the King Island, which has two absolutely spectacular golf courses on it. So I would love to go back and see what this new course is gonna turn out to be you know, on the island of Tasmania. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more civilized place than you might, <laughs> might think it is. It's actually part of Australia. Yeah, it's very modern. Uh, the resort at Warnemünde is is a fabulous facility. Uh, great food, great Australian and New Zealand wines. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I, I I know you you were asking Jay about new things we were looking at, but there's also an inclination to go back and see some old places and see what's been added to them. I mean, uh, Cabot you know Cabot Links, uh, the Cabot Cliffs wasn't open when I first vers- when I went up there. So I, I want to go back to Nova Scotia so I can see the new cabot course that's there. So um yeah there's just I had a good friend John Hanna who was in golf in Northern Ireland. He lived outside of Belfast and I played lots and lots of golf with him. He was a raider for a certain period of time. And John always said so much golf, so little time, <laughs> you know <laughs> so make use of your time well, you know, because there's just so much great Golf and great people to meet all around the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually fairly bearish about international travel in 2021, given the mutations that are happening in the virus. So I, I, I had to dream big and and go down under. But I mean, you look at also, you know, what's happening at at Teahupoo or Tara Edie, you know, with Tom Doak and Corin Crenshaw, you know, building public facilities, um, you know, to accompany uh, Tom Doak's. Uh, which I'm fortunate to have played and uh, I consider it to be one of the 10 best golf courses in the world. It's, I mean, it is just flat out awesome. Uh, a great golf course on a property that you cannot fathom how beautiful it is until you go there. And for the, uh, you know, for, uh, for two new courses to come online um, that is, uh, you know, right there with the Hobart property in terms of excitement for me. I mean, I can't wait to, you know, I I think it's probably going to be a couple years before it happens, but uh, to get down there and, and, you know, spend some time in, because those are true links courses that you can play in shorts and a polo. And, you know, it's, I mean, uh, you know, the weather's amazing. And And the sun in Australia is not messing
3: around
1: yeah it's true i mean the the ozone layer is uh is not as uh, protective in that part of the world, so you can absolutely roast if you don't put on the the sunscreen you're right Sarah
0: Armin if you're listening, it sounds like you've got four willing volunteers to host trips to Australia and New Zealand when travel is safe again so uh sarah what about you anything on the golf design uh, golf architecture front that you're eager to see or learn more about in 2021
3: um i so of course there's a a course near here in lac labelle that was recently redone that i haven't got a chance to go check out i'm looking forward um, to seeing that a lot of um I, i don't know there's a lot of kind of projects i've heard about that are hopefully starting construction here Um, but so I think that those are more going to be places to visit in 2022, 2023, assuming, you know, kind of fingers crossed, they are able to get moving. Um, so that those will be exciting to see, but I'm just, I haven't gotten to see, well, I've been in Wisconsin for a while. I haven't necessarily been and seen a ton of golf around the state. So, um, some of those trips are going to be just me getting to see that. Like I've, I've been to Kohler, but it was to watch uh, one of my sister's teammates was playing in the U.S. Women's Open there. Um, so, you know, I, I've I've seen some of these places, but I haven't actually got to, to play them so much. Our, you know, the last time I was up at Sand Valley, there was a lot of rough shaping going on, but not so much in the way of actual golf holes. So looking forward to kind of seeing those.
0: Well, Tom, you mentioned that with that Iowa trip, you might uh, piggyback Chicago on it. You know, from my standpoint, I might go the other direction and, and go check out what's happening in Nebraska. Um, you know, there's a couple projects that uh, have been under construction this past year. I don't know if they'll get to opening or if they'll have kind of soft openings or whatnot, but uh, um, I might go just go check them out in the dirt if they're still in the dirt. But uh, the the one kind of on the eastern side of Nebraska is called uh, Landman. Uh, that's a project that King Collins is doing. Uh, sounds like there's very, very heavy earth moving, uh, millions of yards of, of uh, earth moving is, is what I've heard. So I'm eager to see that. Sounds like there's a pretty unbelievable scale. And, uh, and then uh, Gil's working at, uh, I think it's called Cap Rock Ranch, uh, or something like that near Valentine. And, and on our last pod, David Normoyle was talking about how he swung by and visited with Gil uh, last summer when he did his 40 Days Across America. And, uh, you know, David's not one to um, uh, to speak out of school. And, and he, he just said it was one of the more breathtaking sights he'd ever seen. And, and some of the more dramatic uh, holes of, of golf anywhere along, I think it was along the Snake River. So uh, those two projects seem, uh, you know, in Nebraska seem like uh, ones that are certainly worthy of checking out.
1: Yeah, Caprock's an interesting one. I mean, that it's not uh, not too far from the Prairie Club, uh, which is kind of. Uh, if you look at the, you know, the, if you imagine the destination retreats of the prairie kind of spanning out from Denver, you know, going from Ballyneal to Sand Hills to Dismal River, it's, you know, it's like, you know, moving out towards Pluto. Uh, I mean, Sutton Bay, I think is actually the, you know, I'd, I'd say Sutton Bay is the, uh, is kind of the last one. That's the furthest one out in, in South Dakota, but then Prairie Club is kind of North central Nebraska and, uh, uh the uh, so i haven't seen the property for Caprock, but i do know that graham marsh's course uh at the prairie club does um does finish kind of along the snake river canyon but my understanding is that uh the the hans project is is really going to interact a lot more with with the canyon than than the the course at the prairie club does and uh, actually the graham marsh's course at prairie club is pretty good um so it's it's exciting to, that's an exciting one and I mean it is I mean Snake River Canyon is is deep and scenic and uh just a remarkable um, natural landform that for an architect to play with so that that's a good choice Jay
0: Well I know we didn't touch upon it uh or you forgot to mention it in your um uh what you're looking forward to in terms of the golf events Tom but I would imagine you're eager to defend your Raider Cup championship this year where where are you headed for that
1: yeah, you know, I try to be humble about these things, uh, Jay. But uh, uh, and and it is another course that I'm very much looking forward to seeing, no doubt. Uh, Gamble Sands, Brewster, Washington, uh, David Kidd design. Um, you know, I've I've played Mammoth Dunes and and uh, and I thought it was cool. I'd like to see it again. We had a really uh, ugly, rainy, tough condition day. And when you see a golf course for the first time and it's absolutely lashing rain at you, that can that can kind of um, uh, defeat your expectations for you know how you want to see a golf course, and that's what happened to me at Mammoth. So I don't have a good take on it, but you know the the story goes that after uh, Tetherow and the Castle course, that David Kidd sort of turned, became a kinder, gentler designer, and um, and you know Mammoth being an expression of that, and and, and Gamble Sands uh, another one, and uh, I mean I've heard. Really, nothing but raves about Gamble Sands. Um, just people describe, you know, how much fun it is to play, and certainly the setting, um, you know, uh, on kind of a, a high plateau overlooking overlooking the river. Um, you know, that I mean, the Pacific Northwest is beautiful, and um, so I'm yeah, I'm really curious to see it. I'm really curious to see how how good it really is, and um, absolutely confident that. The bears will take down the armadillos. It's uh, you know we we had lost three years in a row coming into last year, but uh, at Kohler we we got the job done. So it, but but as Jim was saying, the camaraderie really is um, a huge part of it. And uh, you know those two teams uh, were rivals, but were friendly rivals, and the camaraderie both within and and uh, within the teams themselves, and uh, for the group as a whole. Uh, it's really a special thing in my life it's an event that i look look forward to tremendously every year
0: i think uh, gamble sands also just is going to open a new uh short course there called the quicksands which looks pretty neat too so you'll have to you'll have to report back on on what that's like for
1: yeah th- there's been some conversation about uh doing a an inter-team event on the short course um you know where where one player from each team will, will do a blind draw and you know, um, and have have a partnered event there the night before the, the event proper begins as something to just kind of build uh, team spirit among the it's now 36 players involved in, in, in it. And uh, that's the men's Raider Cup. And then uh, Golf Week also has a women's Raider Cup, which is I think is at Nemecolon this year. Um, it would a pretty cool resort near Pittsburgh uh, with some Pete Dye golf. Sarah, are you are you going to be covering that one?
3: I will be covering that one. I may have to scoot out uh, a smidge early the last day. Uh, our first day of uh, kind of welcome back to school stuff is the is the day after. So I have to be back in Madison, uh, ready to go at 8.30 uh, in the morning. But I, I think, so I should be able to make most of it. Uh, depends on flights out of Pittsburgh and how cooperative they're being if
0: I can. The the 84 Lumber jet can get you back in in no time. You don't need to worry about Pittsburgh Airport or anything like that. 84 Lumber can get you home, right?
2: I'll add one more that that I'm really looking forward to. The first one I think maybe that I'll be involved with directly. In late April, we have one at French Lick in southern Indiana, and we'll play the old Ross course there and then the Pete Dye course there don't know what else. Uh, of course, there's the great, a great resort area. You've got a nice great hotel, old hotel, resort, casino uh, to uh, enjoy uh, in the evening time. So I'm looking forward to getting back to my home state. Even though I grew up in northern Indiana, I did, I wasn't a graduate.
3: far from far away.
2: It is, it is. It was like uh, completely different than growing up in northern Indiana. But I've spent quite a bit of time in southern Indiana. And also, you know, there's a new course at Indiana University. And, and I don't think that's part of our scheme, but I, I want to see the new course at IU, which has got, gotten good. And I probably will also try to revisit Victoria National uh, over towards Evansville. Again, I don't think that's with our, I think we're really just sort of staying in the French Lick area. But for a lot of times, Golf Week, I mean, if Golf Week graders, new ones don't know this, oftentimes other opportunities that are nearby, do, do develop. I mean, either with golf week's help or just sometimes there's a Raider friend of mine that says, Jim, I see you're going to this or that Raider retreat. uh, We're going to go over to this course afterwards or go to this course before. Would you like to join us? So there are opportunities sometimes to see some other things in the area that are not formally part of the golf week program. But through your contacts that you develop with the golf Week program, you you get to go do it. Uh, And so. so I'm looking forward to uh, Southern Indiana in April. Uh, I, I'm sure Sarah remembers from her days uh, playing uh, spring golf in high school and college. I remember playing in the snow sometimes even into May. <laughs> so, so well, hopefully
3: girls had, girls had the opposite problem. So we were play, we played in the, in the fall. So we were August and September. So we were done by October, but we were playing in the 95 degree heat, starting at, you know, so we were melting. Um, and But no, coaching the boys in Wisconsin, they play in the spring. So I get I get all that. And that's one of the it's one of the things I well, hopefully
2: that's hopefully fun. Southern Indiana think, in April will be okay.
3: Yeah, spring golf is totally different. But I think when you're gonna be to IU, I believe, um, I believe the Big Ten women are gonna have an event at the new IU course in that kind of same general time frame. Um, so Check it out. See see how the Smyers course hold. I know that was one of the things. It's they added a ton of length to try and see how it would challenge some of those college players. So that'll be a, a, a good first test.
0: Well, we're coming up on an hour here, and so uh, I think we'll, we'll 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 wrap things up. But we we are just couldn't be more excited to have uh, Jim and Sarah join the panel. We're really eager to uh, to have each of you and your your interesting backgrounds and and what you can bring to the. Uh, to the program, uh, we wish you both lots of luck and and uh, have a great time with all the all the writers. Hopefully, we can all get back out there and and start traveling safely and, and enjoy some of these events. But uh, uh, with that, I'll kind of pass around for final words.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to to echo that, Jay, Jim, and Sarah. Really excited to have you guys be a part of this program. You guys uh, have. Have really interesting uh, backgrounds and perspective, and I think it's going to be really cool for the four of us to work together so uh, yeah hopefully with the, the the COVID situation we'll be able to get out there and do some traveling do some playing, do some writing um, and just really uh, continue to, to develop this program um, so welcome, really excited to, to be working with you
3: thanks I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and should be it should be a lot of fun so forward to getting out there.
2: Yeah, thank you, Jay and Tom, you've made me feel, and I'm sure Sarah as well, feel very, very welcome. And 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 uh, we're looking forward to the interactions with you and and uh, having the best programs the Golf Week's ever put forward, if we can, in the coming years.
0: All right. Well, here's to 2021. Let's let's uh, let's make it a good one. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Cheers. 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 Yeah.